I love you guys. This week it hit me. I don't know if Ben and I were dealing with some of the same things, but we don't say that enough. It hit me hard. We don't say enough that we love one another. And we gather here in a place like this, it is good to be reminded that we're loved by God and that we love one another. I look forward each week to gather here together and worship and lift up the name of Jesus and, and lift one another up. Uh, this week, also this morning, we're going to start a little different. We need to lift some people up in prayer. This morning, I would like to lift up Abby Crane. Abby and your family, if you're watching online, um, we're going to be praying for you. Abby was in a head-on car accident about 10 days ago, uh, maybe almost two weeks ago now, and she is still in the hospital, and her heart just continues to race, and they can't get a handle on that, but we're going to pray for you, Abby, today. Abby grew up in our children's ministry uh, when Tiffany and I moved to Hersher in 2000. And so while she is no longer a child, she is a child of God. We're going to pray for her. Amen? I also want to pray for Carol Young. Carol is in a fight for her life and Rich and her family have been praying for her. And we believe through God's miraculous power, uh, she could be healed. However, by the ways of the world, she is in a very dangerous place right now. So we're going to pray for Carol today. We're also going to pray for Catherine Hosauer family. Catherine passed away this week. Gary was here this morning and he is being faithful. He was faithful to his wife and now he is being faithful to the Lord. And while it's difficult, he is blessing the name of the Lord because God is with them. And we're going to lift that family up in prayer during their time of loss. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we lift up our sister Abby right now. She is, has a heart that's racing. I pray that you would give the doctors wisdom and if it's your will, just settle her heart down. Let her continue to progress and heal. Father, we lift up Carol right now. We ask for a miracle in your name, uh, if according to your will, for your glory. Father, be with the family as they just go through this trying time. Father, we also pray for uh, Gary and his family as they just suffer the, the loss of such a dear uh, loved one. Father, give Kathy's family joy, even as we uh, suffer and mourn her loss this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, let's, let's thank uh, God and praise God for Ben and the team that led us to worship Jesus so well this morning. Thank you, guys. That last song, if you listen to the words, is kind of a, a, an old song, but a new song in many ways to many of us. And it, the, the, the main point of the song was to take the world, but give me Jesus. Not just the bad things of the world, but even the greatest things, even the, the things that we want to hold on to, we are called uh, by Scripture to, to, to let go of that and hold on to the hope of Jesus. Can you declare that today? That's the, the question that we're going to get to. Can you declare that while things of this world will come and go, that you have your hope firmly in Jesus Christ? The things of this world are attractive and they're distracting. But Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all, all this through him. He's talking about Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Paul is declaring, whether I win or lose, whether I live or die, I am content in my confidence in Christ. That is the secret to Paul's mental health, to his hope. But how do you do that? With all the distractions of the world, with all the things that we can hold on to, with, with everything that we can fix our eyes on, how do you live in a life where no matter what happens, we're focused on Christ? 
That's what we're going to strive to do this series. Uh, the series, the big picture of the series is just entitled Too Much. If we were honest with ourselves, we all have a lot in our lives. And it, sometimes it can just be too much to, to try to keep in line. We're, we're living with so much in this land of more. And how can we live with less and be content? This series is going to help us keep our eyes focused on Jesus and not so concerned with things of this world, at times controlled by it, and even at times held captive by it. So there's probably someone here today that is being like, oh, I can see this is coming. This is actually a, a money series. This is a stewardship series. Uh, there were people in the first service that haven't been here since COVID. They're like, great, I come back to church this first Sunday. They're going to be talking about money. And in, in some ways we are, but the bigger picture is more than just money. It's our whole aspect of the things we have and the things we focus on. But why would we even want to talk about money at all? Because God's word has so much to say. There are over 2,000 verses in God's word that deal with finance. Did you know that 20% of all the words of Jesus that are recorded in the Bible have to do with stewardship and money? And one out of every three of his parables, the stories that he taught, had to do with resources and, and finances. Why does the Bible, why does God's word make it such a big deal? Because God knows it greatly affects our lives, our hearts, and our relationship with him. Let's just kind of take a poll right now. And I want some participation. And if it's you, just raise your hand. Or, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of showing everyone around at what, who all deals with this. If you deal with money in your relationships, maybe uh, a family or your occupation or a hobby, if you're responsible or deal with money at all, raise your hand if you ever deal with that. It's all of us. Every single one of us have, in some aspect, uh, an issue with finance and stewardship. And so let's dive into Scripture this month and see what God's Word says about how to Live with less in the land of more. Because I believe it's going to be a blessing for you. We believe it's so much of a blessing, we would like each of you to have one of these. We have uh, secured these for you. So every family, every individual, if you're a first-time guest, if you'll never return, we want to put this in your hands because it can change your life, especially if you're a young person. Maybe you just uh, are a preteen or uh, 13 years old. The, the concepts and the principles in this book, guided by God's word, can change your life and allow you to truly have a prophet. Here's what I mean by this, a prophet. There are four principles that we're going to explore in this book and four practices. And the author suggests, Gary Johnson, uh, that when you pair the, the principles in God's word and practices that God established, uh, when you add those together, the equation will produce a profit. And I'm not talking about uh, a portfolio that grows or I'm not talking about just a bank account that exceeds. But we're talking about true value in living with less stress, more time with family, an improved life and relationships, and even more peaceful rest or sleep. Who doesn't want some more peaceful rest, okay? Uh, uh, almost as many hands would probably go up if we were honest than who deals with money. Uh, a recent statistic or stat came out from a survey that was taken just last month, uh, the end of August it came out, and it declared uh, that 78% of Americans admit to losing sleep on a regular basis because of worry, of stress. I'd be in that group at 78. In fact, I'm surprised it's not higher uh, the, the difference may be that it's a regular uh, loss of sleep. Uh, most of us probably lose sleep at uh, some point or another within the year. But 78% of Americans say they've lost sleep on a regular basis because of some kind of stress or worry. On top of those lists are things like worried about kids, 
Many of you could raise your hand about that. Worried about maybe career, where you're going in your, in your next stage of life. Uh, during this time, uh, one of the, was at the top of the list was health due to COVID. But the reoccurring number one answer for cause of worry and lost sleep, both in 2018 when this, when this survey was first taken and this last month, was money. But what I found interesting, in 2018, only 36% of people said they lost sleep because of money. While during this pandemic, that number has risen from 36% to 56%. And I'm not sure all the details and all the underlying factors of that, but it's not like we're getting a better handle on this, guys. And Christians are not exempt from this. So we've got to go to God's word and apply these principles that we're going to study, such as gratitude, contentment, trust, and humility, and put these practices like debt-free living, savings, budgeting, and giving, and allow those two to combine and live down our lives to produce a real profit, peace. So the first principle we're going to look at today is the principle of gratitude. Turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you don't have one, you pick one up in your pew or under your chair. It's going to be on page 152. We're going to read the entire chapter of Deuteronomy 8. You may have never studied this chapter before. It's packed with great information, great uh, examples from Moses and God's people of how to live with less in a land of more. While they weren't living in the United States of America, they were living in the promised land. That's where they were headed, and they were blessed in that land. But we have to get a little context for Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is about ready to die. He's in the last year of his life. He's in the last year of his leadership. And he is addressing God's people, the Israelites, in a three-part uh, like sermon series. And, and he preaches three sermons in, in the middle of Deuteronomy here to give them some instruction before they move into the promised land. Uh, the context of this is they have been wandering for 40 years in the promised land. Many of you know that story. Uh, they were freed from Egypt, freed from Pharaoh, and then they disobeyed God and God allowed them to wander. Uh, and the big part of that was no one that was originally freed was going to be able to enter into the promised land, including Moses. So over the course of those 40 years, everyone that was in that first generation of, of freed slaves have passed away. And everyone that Moses is now addressing is from a new generation. And Moses has great concern that they have forgotten what God has done, how he's been faithful, how he's been generous. And so Moses is, is really uh, pointing out to them, God has provided and we need to remember his blessings. God is saying that to you this morning as well, because we forget quickly. We need to remember God's guidance and be grateful. So let's look here to the text, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Moses says, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you, that you may live well and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. This was the promise that, that, that God had given the, the fathers of these people, but they've now passed away. And you shall remember the whole day that the Lord your God has led you through the 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that you might make, make you know that the man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord." This is the same verse that Jesus quoted when he's in the desert. He tells Satan, man doesn't live by bread alone. Look at this, verse 4. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your 
foot did not swell for 40 years. That's a miracle. Uh, 40 years, their clothing did not wear out. The same clothes they came out of Egypt with. Uh, and all that time wandering around the desert, their feet never, uh, never swelled at all. This is amazing. 40 years of clothes not wearing out. I can't keep kids on my bo- uh, clothes on my boys for six months. You know, they wear out in just a matter of time. There is also a, a new sense of as we age, they're swelling uh, in a moment's notice. And God is, is reminding them for 40 years, I protected you with clothing and, and your body was protected. Look back to the text. It says in verse 5, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his sons, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. Moses is saying, hey, remember how God's guided and protected you. And that's my challenge for you today. While we're not the Israelite people, how quickly do we forget how God has provided and God has blessed us and we need to be grateful because we need to remember that God gives generously. He's a giver. He gave us his one and only son, but he has given us everything that we have. If you think back to the Israelite people, uh, the word of God tells us that as they left Egypt, there were 600,000 men. So think about how many people were in this nation. 600,000 men. Uh, If you double that just by adding a woman for every man, uh, that's 1.2 million. And then during this time, they had large families. Uh, So most historians believe there were as many as uh, 2.5 to 3 million Israelites easily wandering in the desert. And God provided for them for 40 years. Guys, three million people wandering without a a grocery store, a McDonald's. Uh, There was not a a farmer's market. They didn't have gardens. They were in a desert. And God says, I'm going to provide for you this whole time. While you've not been faithful to me, as we head to the promised land, I'm going to meet your needs. Do you remember that? Do you know that? If if you do the math on three million people, it would take about uh, 300 boxcar trains every day to feed the people. It would take about 330 semi-tankers of water to give them just enough to have a a drink for the day. Not not even to wash themselves, but just uh, to be able to consume as water. And God provided those things in the middle of the desert. He provided their needs. When they needed water, the scripture says at times they, they were able to get water right out of a rock. Day after day, manna came down from heaven year after year. And to the point where people began to to mum. uh, to, to grumble about the manna. Uh, the manna may have not been that uh, tasteful. It may have not been that filling, but it sustained them. And they would begin to say, God, we want meat. Uh, we, we want meat. They grumbled about that. So God gave them meat. Look what the scripture says in Numbers 11. Now the Lord sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall all along the camp. For miles in every direction, there were quail flying about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught quail all day and throughout the night and all the next day too. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. So for about a day and a half or or two days, um, they just went out and this quail was uh, just floating on the ground trying to fly uh, and they were able to gather and put in bushels. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. That, that is an amazing amount of wheat. If you are uh, connected to farming right now, harvest is in full swing. Farmers are very blessed if they can gather 50 bushels of soybeans per acre. Now, some years it's more than that, some years it's less. But uh, we, will, we have, in our, with our technology today, we can gather about 50 bushels of soybean per acre. They were able to gather 50 bushels of quail per person. God does amazing things and he gives generously. Moses is reminding them God is a giver. 
Yet how quickly do we forget as generations and not even years, not even weeks, not even days go by that God has been faithful in the past? So what I hear God telling us today is, remember, God has been a great giver and he's generous. And he's going to be faithful in the future. Ben testified that today. There are moments when anxiety and, and questions come into our lives. How is God going to pull us through? Uh, just like he's done in the past, in even greater ways than he's done in the past. He did it for the Israelites. He's done it for you. And he will do it in the future if you follow him, if you trust in him. Guys, we went through some of the most uncertain times that I've ever experienced in the last two years. And God has been faithful. We need to remember that he's been faithful. I think back to high school and in calculus class. I was uncertain if I was going to be able to graduate high school. That's just what I thought one night laying in bed because I thought I was going to maybe fail calculus. Guys, God provided and, and that was accomplished. And then I was like, how am I going to get through Bible college? And God was able to bless that. I, I wondered at times how I was ever going to be able to find a mate to be a blessing to my life so I could uh, raise a family with. Guys, I have been blessed by that. But there was times whenever I doubted that. You may be doubting something now with your education, maybe with um, a family. There were times when I wondered if I was ever going to be able to be a part of a ministry team. Guys, God continues to bless and he, can, he will continue. But we can't doubt. We must remember what, what he's done in the past. He is faithful. He's a, he's a good giver. Look at verse 7. It says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a, a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out of, in the valley and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranate, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of the whose hills you can dig copper. He says, you are going to have everything in this place. God is going to give you everything that you could have ever imagined. While you've been in the desert in, in a destitute situation for 40 years, he is going to bless you with so much. Moses is reminding people that God is a giver. Why? Because he owns everything. We need to remember that. God owns everything. Look what it says in Psalms 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Now, we can process the first part of this pretty easy. Uh, okay, the earth belongs to God because he created it. Everything in it, in, in, in essence, it belong, uh, belongs to him. But we, we, we struggle with this, and you may uh, need to process this for the first time in your life to a complete way. God created you, and because of that, you're bought at a price, you belong to him as well. Even our own bodies do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God. We are only stewards of that. You are stewards of your bank account. You're steward of your house. You're steward of your family. And you are a steward of your own body. We belong to God. Look what the scripture says in the New Testament. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. There was an amazing thing that happened in the desert. Remember, they said, you've wandered for 40 years and your feet didn't even swell. I have a new dilemma as I crossed over 40. There are times when my body swells for no reason. And, and God says, hey, you're, all of your people were, were going through a, a, great, a great time. Guys, we do need to examine what we're doing to our bodies to create our body's problems because they don't belong to us, they belong to God. So we need to do our very best to take care of it. I wonder what you need to improve in, even with taking care of yourself, your own body. 
How can you improve at honoring God by being a blessing to him by taking care of what he's given you? Look what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Some of us sometimes think, well, well there's, there's no way God can meet my needs, uh, what, I, what I have in need. Guys, he met the Israelites' needs in the desert. He can meet your needs, not just by getting by. He meets it in accordance with the glorious riches of Christ Jesus. Look at verse 10 of chapter 8. It says, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. This is an idea. We sing a lot of songs this morning about blessed be your name. This comes right out of the scripture. When you know you've received a good thing, you're to bless God and bless his name. Once you, once you filled yourself, once you realize what you've been given, bless him. Look at verse 11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commands and his rules and his statutes, which I command you this day, lest when you have eaten and are full and build good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. So he's really establishing that these people are going to go through a time of great growth, exponential growth, that everything about them is just going to soar uh, up and to the right. Everything is going to be multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. When this happens and you forget God, look what, then your heart will be lifted up. Some translations say you'll become proud. And you forget the Lord your God has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness and, the, and its uh, fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground, there was, where there was no water, who brought the water out of flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power, my might, my hand have gotten me the wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that you may confirm his covenant that he swore to the fathers, as it is this day. Here's the dilemma that Moses is saying. You're going to be so blessed, you're going to be tempted to think that this is all done because of how good you are. He says, and when you forget this, when, when, you, when you don't realize this is all under God's control, you will miss the point. We have to remember that God is in control of everything. Every blessing you have is under God's control. Look what it says then in verse 14. It says, your heart will be lifted up and you'll forget, what, you'll forget the Lord your God. We have to remember who God is and what he's done for us. Or what? The scripture goes on to tell us, look at verse 19, going to end the chapter. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish Here's the consequence if we don't take heed to this. If we somehow think that in our nice houses, with our nice food, with our growing bank accounts, if we start to think that this is on us, there will be a day where that is taken away and we will perish. And everything that we hold on to, like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. This was uh, put before the Israelites and it's put before us today through the Holy Spirit. We need to wake up and be aware that everything we have comes from him. And when we ignore him and we give credit to ourselves for this, it can be gone in a moment. It just can. The great harvest that we're having, 
uh, the, the financial security that this nation uh, seems to have. But I don't know if you've noticed, there's a little thing called the debt ceiling that we're trying to figure out. Uh, all of that can crumble in a moment if we put our trust in these things of the world. What are you holding on to that could be taken away that if it's gone, you'll be broken? Need to cho- we need to choose today that under- to understand that God is control of everything and he wants to bless you so that you'll be a blessing. What are you holding on to that could perish in a moment? We must remember that God is the hope for eternity. Look at this. This point, God is the hope for eternity. It's not a possible hope. It is the hope. And if we put our hope in any other thing, including these idols that we may make, look what happens. He will uh, take it away from us. We will perish. I wonder what you're tempted to hold on to, what you're tempted to trust in that could be removed so quickly. But how could God do this? Because it's his to give us generously, but it's also his ability to take it away. It was the first song of the day. It was an exciting song. We hadn't sang it for a while. It's, it's a little bit older. It's probably 10 or 12 years old now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. We get so happy about that. You know what that song's talking about? That there's a day when all the things you have, God may say, I need to take this away from you so you will understand my position and who you are and who, who I am. Who I am and who you're not. And yet... Most of us never consider what really matters. And we fix our eyes on things of the world and we make things of this world our idols and God's saying, hey, you could all leave in a moment. And until we put God in the proper perspective and ourselves in in our proper perspective, we'll never really be good stewards of what he's given us. Look at what Peter tells the church and tells us today. It says, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into holy Uh, living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. God has the ability through Jesus Christ to firmly secure your inheritance in heaven. But we also, when we disobey him and we walk away, it can be removed from us in a moment. We will perish without focusing on him. So how do we respond? Here's the action points when we realize that God is the creator that's given us all these things, the gracious giver. We need to appreciate God by showing gratitude. Look at verse 10. He's saying, you're going to go to this land and you shall eat and be full. They hadn't been full for a long time. I believe most of them would eat just enough to get by with the manna. He says, you're going to eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Guys, the scripture is making it clear that we should appreciate by showing gratitude. We should appreciate everything God has done for us. But how many times have we filled our bellies, had everything we need, pushed back away from the table, and not given God any thanks at all, any appreciation? How many times do we absorb blessings and and act like we achieved it on our own? God is saying when you're full, when you've been blessed, give God a a, a glory, give him a blessing for what he's done. Uh, Let God hear the praise that comes through Jesus Christ. I wonder how many times we push away from the table and don't say thanks. I learned a great lesson of gratitude back in 1996. uh, It was the summer after I graduated from high school. 
And I went on my first mission trip uh, out of the country to the Dominican Republic. And the first day of the trip, we were in a city and they had uh, most niceties. I even saw a McDonald's. And, and then for the rest of the trip, we loaded up in these trucks, in the back of trucks. And we went on a four-hour trip, probably about 100 miles. And then we ended up going up in the mountains. And our main task was to pour a concrete floor for a school and a, a church. It was kind of a dual-purpose building. It was just block walls. And if you've ever seen those pictures from third world countries, uh, they would have just the rebar coming out of them. And, and buildings could be finished for like 50 uh, years and the rebar is still just coming out of the top. A very basic building. And our job was to get the foundation ready and pour the floor in there by hand from wheelbarrows. And so the first day we just got everything prepared. The second day we poured some of the floor. The third day we finished the floor. And when the floor was finished, we had a, a late lunch meal. And this was the big meal of the day. This was the meal that was supposed to give you uh, the most nutrients of the day. It was a big meal of rice and plantains and some other herbs and some other vegetables. It was the same meal every day at lunch. But after we were completed our task, they invited some of the area uh, neighbors in and they, they made a double portion of that meal. We were, we were going to get full that day. And then they got really excited. They started talking about chicken. And I, I, I took enough Spanish to know what they were talking about. And I thought we were all going to have fried chicken that day. I was really excited. Guys, for about 45 people, they had this big pot of rice and plantain and some other things. I don't know. It was pretty tasty. But I ate just enough to kind of sustain me that week because it wasn't that great. It was kind of like modern manna. And they put one little bitty chicken in that whole pot and, and just kind of mixed it all together. And the portion I had, I had a few slivers of chicken. Now, it did taste much better because the fat and the flavor of the chicken uh, permeated the whole dish. But when we were done with the meal that day, our, our bellies were full and we pushed back and there was a great sense of gratitude because people from the United States were helping people from the Dominican who, who, who literally had nothing compared to what we had. And they were so thankful that concrete had been poured and our bellies were full and we worshiped God in the middle of the heat there in the mountains in Dominican Republic. And I had never known gratitude like I felt that day ever before. And they had so little, but they had Jesus Christ and they had a relationship with him and a relationship with us. I wonder how many times we've consumed something so much more lavish, something so much more of a blessing, and we push back from the table and say, well, what are we going to do now? The word of God here says, when you fill yourself, bless his name, give praise to him through Jesus Christ. But so how do we do that? Look, look, at, look at what Hebrews says. Since you're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable... Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. See, our God is watching and, and, and being very aware of what our allegiance is to. And if our allegiance is not to him, there will be a day where we not only perish, but he will consume us like a fire. But because we know this, we need to show our Gratitude by first being thankful in prayer. The scripture says, be thankful. There, there's many scriptures in, in, in the word of God that tells us to be thankful. There's another scripture that, that says, your will uh, in Christ Jesus is, is to give thanks to God. You know, a lot of times we think, well, is God's will for me to get married? Is God's will for me to do this, to take this job? Your uh, first and greatest will often is to be thankful for what God has done, no matter what he's done. Secondly, the scripture says, worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Guys, we need to be worshiping God in wonder. I caught a glimpse of it this morning. I was very aware of it. During a couple of the songs, guys, we were praising God and worshiping 
and celebrating not anything that happened on stage, but I really sense that there was a moment where we were worshiping something beyond this place. But so many times we can come into a place of worship, we can come to a worship setting, you may even have a personal worship, and we start to think of what we're going to get for us. I've been around enough conversations, people say, well, I hope Ben picks the songs I know today because I don't want to sing the ones I don't again. And we think it's about us, it's about coming before God who's on the throne. And I think we got a glimpse of this day. It may have been because my heart was ready, because I was, it's not about what you've done, it's about what's in my heart and what's in your heart. But the scripture says here, with the understanding that we're receiving from the kingdom of God, this thing that's unshakable, worship him with holy fear and awe, with a sense of wonder. That God is great and we're not. Guys, I mentioned I loved you. That was really a setup to let you know this. You're not that big of a deal (laughs) compared to God. But compared to him, you're the greatest thing this world has ever seen. But compared to him who is on the throne, we get it all messed up thinking, I deserve this and I want this. When God is saying, you, you need to fall on your knees and be in all of me for all I've given to you and, and come to him with thanksgiving and worship. Teddy Roosevelt understood this. The president of the United States of America was a man of faith. And in his college years, he wrote great, in great detail about his faith Later on in life, it became a little bit more personal, probably because of the world we live in and all the details of faith. But he was a man of faith. And he would, exp- he would have his children experience uh, a position before God that was amazing. On a regular basis, he would take his family, even at the White House, out under uh, the sky. And he would point out stars and, and different uh, celestial bodies in the sky and he would he would just have them examine them and and orientate themselves and how just big the universe is and after they'd be outside for uh, 10 or 15 minutes they would see other uh, things beyond what they can initially see and he would just highlight to them that the universe and our galaxy is bigger than we can understand and he would have them just set out there and continue to see uh, deeper and deeper into what God has created and after a time he would say this And I quote, now I think that we are small enough. Let's call it a night. Another great quote that he had, he would often say, keep your eyes to the stars and your feet on the ground. Teddy Roosevelt understood, even as the president of the United States of America, that God is great and compared to that, he wasn't very much at all. One of the greatest things we can learn as we leave here today is God is amazing and we're really Compared to him, not. And it puts us in a position to say thank you. It puts us in a position to be in awe of him. And it puts us in a position with everything he blesses us with, we need to do our very best to be stewards for him. And until we recognize God's rightful place as the creator and owner of everything, we'll never get stewardship correct because it'll be about us. If you've come here today thinking we're primarily talking about money and you were bothered by that, It may be because you're still making money a lot about yourself. When God is saying, as you have been blessed, I want you to be a blessing. And here's the final thing. If we're going to respond to God and all he's done, we need to act generously towards God and towards others. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 16. This is just a little later. They've entered the promised land. Uh, Moses has passed away. And here's what it says. Three times a year, all your young men must appear before the Lord, your God, at the place he will choose at the festival of unleavened bread and the festival of weeks and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. 
Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. So this is, starts to see a sense of the, the practice. The principle is gratitude. The practice that we're learning this week is about budgeting. And, and there's a part of the budget where if you've been blessed, the first portion that you give back to anyone is to God. And don't come before God empty-handed. That's what the scripture says. He says three times a year, you need to evaluate all the blessings you have and come before God in awe and in reverence and thanksgiving and say, God, I'm returning this generous gift back to you because you are great in proportion to how you've already blessed me. I wonder how often you come before God empty-handed. I wonder if we still have the same urgency to give our first fruits to him with gifts and offerings. It's the same mindset. You, you get invited to someone's house for supper and they're like, man, would you come to house? We're going to have uh, steaks tonight and we want you and your family to come. We're going to have a great time. You're like, thank you. What's the second question most people ask after you say thank you? Hey, what can I bring? What can I, I don't want to come empty handed. You're, you're providing ribeyes. I want to bring at least some potato chips. Man, that's a good meal, by the way. I'll take a ribeye and potato chips any day. God is saying, you have been so blessed, evaluate as you come before me, as you come and worship, don't come empty-handed. I've come empty-handed before, and you know how I feel? It really hurts the relationship between you and your father. The New Testament talks about this also. Paul is telling Timothy, a young pastor, about how he should train his his church into offering God an offering. Here's what it says. Command those who are rich. He doesn't say, oh, by the way, give them a choice. No, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. That's an understatement. But put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. In this way, you'll lay, will lay up treasure for themselves and a firm foundation for the coming age, for, for eternity, so they may take hold of the life that's truly life. Paul is telling Timothy, we need to put an extreme value, uh, an extreme ultimate uh, uh, purpose in being generous. Guys, that's one of the reasons, one of our values as a leadership, the elders established a little over two years ago now, is that we value generosity. It's just who we want to be because God has been generous. We also want to be a generous people. And you do that so well. As a church, we, we are so generous. We were recently doing the budget. And while some things are budget-minded or changing because uh, just the world is changing, one thing that's not changing is our commitment to generosity, to missions and, and other ministries because we have been blessed. We want to be a blessing. And you will see this year that some things are going to be refined and maybe go down in overall expenses. But one thing that is not is our missions budget and our ministry and a commitment to be generous. Just a couple weeks ago, above and beyond the budget, you gave $10,000 to Mid-India Mission. And here's a report from them from your generosity. Watch this. We want to thank First Christian Church Greenville for your love and generosity for many years. Uh, we especially want to thank you for your support during COVID time. India has faced some very severe situation in, uh, here in our part uh, with the second wave of Delta variant. It has, it has taken many lives. Uh, we here at the mission also have lost some of our people who worked in our team. Uh, some of our evangelists have lost their lives. 
uh, many deaths uh, happen throughout India. Uh, we are thankful for your generosity. Uh, because of your help, we were able to help people uh, with oxygen. Oxygen was the main cause uh, of deaths here. Uh, many people died because uh, oxygen was not available and we were able to get oxygen cylinders, oxygen concentrators, help them with their medication, um, help them to get them into the hospitals, uh, uh, sewing machines, uh, beds for the hospital. We provided what needed here in, in this area to save many lives and, and the media and the people and the community was, was grateful for that. Uh, but that also allowed us to show the love of Christ uh, to many people and were able to make inroads in many new areas. So we are grateful, thankful uh, to First Christian and Greenville. You have always stood by us and supported us, uh, loved us. We are thankful for your love and generosity for many years. Thank you very much, First Christian Greenville. Thank you for being generous. Let's praise God for that. So that's who you are as a church, that's who you are as your leaders. When we had that opportunity, Daryl called and said, hey, they need these oxygenators. Uh, you responded in less than 10 days with $10,000. That was a big deal. That's who you are as a church. How are you doing as an individual? Not even so much with your checkbook. Well, that's a big part of it. How are you doing at being grateful to what God has done? Or do you come back to him saying, God, I just want more. My, my hands have nothing to offer you. I just need more. Or do you come to him and say, God, this is what I'm returning to you. Primarily with a, a spirit of gratitude. And you may say, Tyson, the reality is I don't have anything to give right now. The thing that you can give is what you could return to Christ, what he paid everything for is your life. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What God wants most is you, all of you. Because Jesus died so that you might be saved, so that you might live, so that you could have life. Today, if you're here and you grab one of these books, you could go through these four principles and these four practices and you could try to put them into place, but there's not going to be much profit at all until you first give yourself to Christ completely. There is value of this world in these truths of God's wisdom. But guys, it's multiplied exponentially when you first say, God, I'm giving you everything from the start, who I am. Today, if you're here and you've never given yourself to Christ... Don't take a book until you've given yourself away to him. While we want everyone to have one of this, what the real purpose is that we would all experience and have eternal life through Jesus in heaven forever. So as we sing the song, would you stand? And if you have a decision to make, if you want to give your life to Christ, say, here I am. I know you've given everything for me, Jesus. Here I am for you. I'm giving myself freely to you. We invite you to come forward. Let's pray. Father in heaven. Thank you for this challenge to remember just how much you've given. Thank you most of all that you've given Jesus. And he was crucified, he is risen, and he has ascended, and he's at your right hand waiting to return. Let us live for him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.